Lord, we, uh, we would have you come and make your home with us this morning. Lord, we'd have you pour your spirit out upon us this morning and set us afire with your love, with your, the joy of your presence and with the glory that is due you. We pray, Lord, that you would work at the depths, that you would work at the roots this morning and that you would renew us. We pray in your holy name, Lord Jesus. Amen. It's so good to be here with you all. Um, it's been a few weeks since we've, we've been on vacation and doing a couple different things. And I'd heard last week that um, you guys had, I guess we could call this a, like a low church Sunday service. It is literally lower than we normally do because we're not up on the stage and uh, we're dressed down a little bit, which is perfect for the summer. And Steve described his experience of it in a text and it just, it just filled my imagination. <laughs> so I said, I want to try this. So that's what we're doing here this morning and it's, it's kind of perfect because this is a family Sunday. We're going to have a picnic after the service and hang out a little bit together. So that's that's really good. That's a good homey thing to do. And man, I feel like I really need home lately. You know, I feel like I really want to be rooted and grounded in true home. Uh, man, the scriptures spoke to me this morning, even as they were being read, um, you know, this idea that we need a city that has foundations, that's actually stable and actually has foundations. And it's actually designed by God. And why do I feel that so badly right now? I, I'm sure it has a lot to do with what I'm seeing in the news, right? I, I mean, I'm just so, like, beside myself with confusion and distress at what I see in our culture right now. The, the degree of anger, the de degree of, of mutual blame and shame and recrimination and things that have risen up in kinds of, a, of like a white nationalism that's resulted in, in violence and also violence in, in different forms. It may be Antifa, I don't know exactly. But what I'm seeing is this crazy way of being that is literally crazy. And it's, these are cities, these are tribes, if you will. They don't have foundations, and they're very afraid. They're rooted in fear. And when we live out of fear, and when we feel like we're going to try and have to secure ourselves because we're afraid, and we try and do that, then it ultimately res results in, in danger, and it results in violence and viciousness. And so, man, I feel like, Lord, I really I need you. And I think if it, if, if it starts there, within each and every one of us, like, I, I, I do love that quote, and I quote it all the time from, from um, Solzhenitsyn, that, that the line between good and evil doesn't exist between nation and nation, or between polity and other forms of Democrat, Republican, whatever. It actually goes right through the heart of every single human being. And if, if the if it's not dealt with it at that level, and we don't start in our own hearts not being people who are at war within ourselves against God, who are living our own lives on shaky foundations, if we don't start at that level, then we're not gonna be able to speak to a peace and be grounded enough in that peace and in that love to bear witness to it so that the rest of the world doesn't burn. Man, I want that for us. Um, it's hard to stay true to that desire. 
There's a lot of temptations not to live in the center of that prayer, which is why I love the opening song that we sang, that Lord, burn in us that we would have that one desire. We need you by your Holy Spirit to establish that in us. I can't make it as much as I'd love to. I can't make that happen, you know? What do I do with my Bible? Oh. <laughs> I um, was remembering a time where I was thinking about my life and how I was going to establish a pathway to fulfill the purpose that God, I felt, might have for my life. And I believe he does have a, a purpose for everybody's life. It can be described ultimately as making of us true disciples, like actually related to him, worshiping him, giving him what is due, which means pretty much everything, right? Because he is the designer of the city, so all credit has to go back to him. So that, that's like an overall purpose, but, you know, how do you fulfill that in the specifics? And, um, you know, I had this, this moment where I thought, well, I could go to seminary or I could go to business school. And I was going to Willow Creek Church at the time, and one of the associate pastors, his name was Jim Duthmer, and I thought he was pretty cool. And they were all about, you know, reaching the world and having enough credibility with the world on its own terms, like on, in the terms of achievement and success, if you will, that they might listen to you. Like we could demonstrate to them, hey, we really know what we're doing. And we're really sharp. We actually know how to live life really well. And if you had that kind of credibility, you might be able to witness to them and then win them to the Lord. And so when I was talking to Jim Dethmer, and, you know, I, I don't blame him for this at all. I think this was just the mentality that that entire phase of the church was in, this evangelical moment where we really wanted to be successful and not be kind of thought in a ridiculous way in the world. And, and he said, man, I, I think you should go to the business school because think of the credibility you'll have with unbelievers if you can go out there and be successful in the ways of business. Now, that's not all completely out to lunch. I mean, I think people might have a call to business or ever other things in the world, but it has to be from God, right? It can't be this kind of like manipulative, like I'll do this in order to get to this kind of thing. And uh, so I went down the path of getting the business school degree and, you know, had some moderate success, but I never really felt centered. I always felt like I was like reaching slightly outside of who I actually am. And I was always, always a little bit off center. This morning, I have been praying about this passage. We've shifted from a series on relationship, which is so much about who we are. And here we are in the Gospel of Luke now, which is the lectionary that is assigned for this particular year, and that will go up through Advent. And it's doing something pretty intense, right? It's actually addressing the problem that I think that I was facing in that moment when I was trying to decide whether I go this way, which I would classify as the way of the world, or, or a way of trust and faith. Maybe you have similar dilemmas in your life, and you know this. Like, you know this at, at, in the place of the conscience. Like, there's moments in every day where I can live out of a prompting of the Spirit or I can live in order to construct my own life and achieve a result. 
I don't know what that is for you, but you might want to think about that and pray that the Lord touches this in your life because there are pockets of our souls that are like cities without foundations. I remember going through this process of decision starting to lean towards going to business school and one of my mentors, Lyle Dorsett, he said, he said, Eric, he's this bearded wise man, he was the head of the, the Wade Collection at C.S. Lewis Center, at, at, um, at, at the Wade Center is the C.S. Lewis Center at Wheaton College. So he's an expert in C.S. Lewis, which is kind of like the evangelical saint, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the ultimate thing. So I had this tons of respect for him and he, he deserved a lot of respect. He was a very godly man. And he said, well, Olson, he often referred to me by my last name, if you're going to do this, if you're going to go into business, make a lot of money, wear it like a loose garment. <laughs> he said, wear it like a loose garment. And he explained to me that was a quote from John Wesley. I thought, that's pretty, well, that's pretty good. Maybe I can go into the, then wear it like a loose garment. Like not let it touch my skin too much. And um, I thought that, you know, that's pretty good advice. But I actually feel like if something was missing still from that. It wasn't getting to the root. That's what I want to say. It wasn't getting to the root of the problem. So as I was praying about the word that I feel like God has for us today, I feel like Jesus, he wants to strike at the root of the trees of our lives, if you will, that are drawing upon things that aren't life-giving, that are ultimately death-spelling. He wants to strike at those roots and then reroot us in a, a genuine tree of life, drawing upon him and his spirit. This is radical. That's what it means to be radical, by the way. It's like it goes at the roots, at the roots of our hearts. Where are our hearts rooted? Where are our lives founded? I think, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it is a little bit in in money for some of us. I don't think money was exactly my issue because, I don't know, I mean, money was, I, I actually did find it easy to wear it like a loose garment, but, but some people have money as a way of keeping score in the world, right? It's a form of achievement idolatry. It's like, I'm going to make money, and if I have enough money, that's how I know that I'm gonna be okay. And, and, and it's actually really, really foolish. It's a foolish form of idolatry. Every kind of idolatry, by the way, is foolish. Why? Because it doesn't result in life, which is, which is bad, because then that means death. That's the ultimate in foolishness. And uh, Jesus talks about that. He talks about the, the guy who has a lot of money and he says, well, I, I, I don't have enough storage now to even store all the things that I have and I'm gonna build another one and, and Jesus, you fool, your life is, is, is required from you now. Your soul is required from you now. And what Jesus is saying, I want you to, to not invest in that way of keeping score at all. I want you to invest in things that you'll be able to take with you. Right, that's that old saying, right? You, you can't take it with you. You can't take the wealth of this world, which rusts, so to speak, with you. But there are things that you can take with you. And it's the, it, it's the gifts of the Spirit. It's the life that God causes to grow in you through relating to him, through being rooted to him, through being rerooted in most cases. And every pocket of fear that we have every place where we dissent from having God speak and letting that be our command, every place where that's the case, 
we need to say, I'm going to repent of that foolishness, Lord, and I want to root, you, it, root myself in the wisdom of your truth, which is life-giving, and to root myself in your way of life, which is love. You know, one of the ways that you can do this is, you know, one of the ways he says, look, if you really have an issue with money, you can join him in striking at the root. Like, he did this with the rich young ruler, remember? This guy had a real problem with building his own fiefdom, his own castle in his sky, I guess, because he wanted to keep the money for himself. And Jesus could see that that was his idol, and he said, you know what, you need to be free of that. I know that that's your particular idol. It may not be your particular idol, money in the way of achievement that I'm describing. It might be something else. But if you want to strike at the root of that, and if you have any pockets in your soul that are like that, a wonderful way to just say, you know, Lord, I'm in step with your spirit. I know your spirit is so loving that when, I, when the church is really herself, no one in the church has need. So I'm going to give, and I'm going to give alms, and maybe I'm going to give a lot away. Maybe a lot. And then that just kind of, kind of gets right at the root of thinking your life consists of the things that you've been accumulating that allow you to acquire your security. So if that's your situation, you know, this is a really quick and wonderful way of keeping in step with the Spirit and going right for the roots. Joining your hand with Jesus and saying, yep, Lord, I want to cut that off at the root. But maybe that's not you. I think mine was a little bit different from that. Yeah, I, I was moderately successful from a monetary standpoint, but I never felt like the money was the thing or the achievement in keeping, you know, building an accumulation of wealth was ever the thing for me. I didn't feel that. But what I did feel was a prestige temptation that came from that. Like there's something, and maybe that's what, a little bit of what Jim Dethmer was struggling with too. I don't know. Maybe that's a little bit what we see, the Willow Creek phenomenon and the Harvest Bible Chapel phenomenon. Maybe that's a little bit of what's been going on there. It's like we want to be well regarded by other people. We fear their condemnation. We fear their mockery. We fear their rejection. And if we were to live really in keeping with the word of God and the difficult things of life, then there is a good chance that the world in its ways will ridicule us and will mock us. And we won't have that prestige that we'd like to have that maybe you could use money to get to. There's other ways you can do it too, just like by fame, outward manifestations of success. It's a form of power. Money is a form of power. And all of that, all of that is because we're rooting ourselves in a way of being that has us at the center. So I'm coming back to that point, right? If I'm at the center, if I'm using different ways of scorekeeping and different ways of telling, am I okay? What do people think of me? Do I have enough money? If I'm measuring my life that way, there's, there's two problems with that right away. First of all, I'm the one measuring. And Jesus is talking about the Son of Man coming, and the Son of Man is the judge. He alone is the one who judges your soul. I'm, I'm dealing in my own life, as each and every one of you are, and we know this because this is human nature, I'm dealing with the problems of motivation in my own life. I have mixed motives. And we all do, because we have these pockets that are not completely given over to the Lord because we have fear. 
And that's why, this is the gift, by the way, of living life in the spirit and growing in the spirit, is because you, over time, you can entrust more and more to him. And so, I think we can, we can grow in these areas. We can repent and have a transformation of our minds from these ways and motivations that are off, that are rooted in toxic soil, and we can have ourselves rerooted in heavenly, godly, beautiful, holy soil with holy motives and holy life impulses flowing through them. And that can be the story of our lives. I have to say, though, that I think one of the big issues, the temptations of the church, is that we understand a lot of the principles that I've been articulating. And, I, and I've been, hopefully, the, by, by God's grace, these are, these are coming back alive for you right now. This idea of really being rooted and grounded in him and inspired and motivated by him. But I think what, what we struggle with as a church is that we know that and then we pretend that we are actually living that way when we're not. And we actually have, like I've been saying, we have mixed motives. But we're projecting that we're not. And th this is the kind of hypocrisy that Jesus is addressing. It's a very dangerous form of hypo hypocrisy. Because you can be credited within the eyes of even your brothers and sisters. Like I think a lot of pastors struggle with this temptation, but all of us in church struggle with this temptation. Like you think I look pretty holy because I'm up here wearing, well today I'm wearing shorts, but I'm, I maybe because I'm wearing this thing, I don't know. But the truth is that there are none holy under heaven, there are none good under heaven is a way to say it. And that I'm in the need of God's grace and I'm in the need of his transformation in all the pockets of my heart and all the mixed motives, all those impulses that haven't been completely submitted to the Lord. And I'm at grave risk if I'm projecting to you anything other than that. Rebuke me if I come across that way. You know, I don't want to come across that way. I want to come across as somebody who's every day saying, Lord, yeah, Lord, I want you to cleanse me at the depths for the things that I'm rooting myself in that aren't godly, that are narcissistic, that are based in fear, that are based in egotism. Lord, have mercy. And I'm, and I'm praying that for all of you, brothers and sisters. I'm praying that you also avoid that. I want to say this is so dangerous. I think this is why we have one of the most bizarre stories in the New Testament. It's actually recorded by the same guy who wrote this gospel, Luke, and it's in the story of Acts. I wonder if any of you can guess which story I'm going to talk about right now. It's the risk of pretending. Pretending that you're actually moving according to the Spirit and you're completely arrived, which Paul says he has never counted himself as fully arrived. And you're presenting that way and you're not. Lord have mercy. There's a, that moment in the story of Acts, the early days of the apostles, where because of a move of the Spirit, a prompting of God, a motivation of God, people were selling property and laying it at the feet of the apostles so that none had need. And that and the church was really being herself moved by a Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. But there was, there was one couple, names were Ananias and Sapphira, 
who projected that they were doing the very thing. They, they went out and sold a piece of property and Ananias comes in, lays it at the feet of the apostles and, and Peter said, what prompted you to deceive the Lord? You can't do that. You cannot deceive him. And he drops dead. And then the same thing with his wife. This kind of deception is dangerous and I think what that is a sign, by the way. I mean, I don't think typically God doesn't just do that, right? Even with Adam and Eve, when they fell into death, it wasn't an instantaneous dropping to death, but it was, a, it was a real drop into spiritual death and a way of death that afflicts us. That's the toxic way of being. But I think it's a sign for us, if we don't understand the mixed motive problem, if we don't understand that if we're projecting something and pretending something, like I'm moving in the spirit, and yet you know that there's something in your conscience that's prompting you and saying, Lord, I know this is coming from a place of pride too. If you can't do that, you're at risk. And it means something really dangerous for your heart. Is that sobering? It's sobering for me. I am... Um, I want to finish with a story. I'm still working this through where I just, I, I, my prayer is that the church really wakes up and that she really becomes who she's supposed to be. And that means that there'll be plentiful provision for us. That means that there will be growth and there will be some favor with God and men. But it means also that we'll be able to withstand the persecution and the rejection and the mockery of when we're really aligned with the Lord, really aligned with the Spirit, we'll be able to withstand the rejection that inevitably comes. But we, we have to trust him for that. We have to trust that we actually can live on the basis of his words when everything about the world and our own flesh and our fear our vulnerability makes us say, I don't know. I'm going to just, I'm going to put, like Ananias and Sapphira, a little money aside. I'm going to have a backup plan. I'm going to have a backup plan. I'm going to have a plan B, and I'm the one who's standing in the wings who's going to come in and be my own plan B. This is like an, it's another way of talking about the pocket of mixed motivation. It's not submitted to the Lord. And it's moving outside of his words and moving outside of his ways. And that's exactly why I had a problem getting an MBA because that was my plan B. I was waiting in the wings to think, look, if this idea of going into ministry fails, I can come in and I'll be okay. I've always got something to fall back on. So I don't really have to trust the Lord. I don't really have to believe him. Which leads me to this story there's a the guy I've been paying attention to the last couple of years. I still don't know totally what to make of him. His name is Jordan Peterson. He's written a book that's been a bestseller. I think it's something like 12 Rules for Life. And um, he's always asked, he's a psychologist. He has one p political statement that he's made about not being compelled to say certain kinds of speech that happened in Canada. But I'm not bringing him up because of politics. I, I like to stay away from politics. Jesus isn't too interested in the politics of this world. He made that very clear to Pilate. <laughs> He's interested with the heart. He's interested in encountering you at the root level of your heart. But the interesting thing about Jordan Peterson, he's always asked, do you believe in God? 
So there's a lot of people who are people of faith who, who proclaim that they believe in God. And he said, you know, I just don't... He always wants to say, well, what do you mean by that, you know? He says, if, if I really understand what it means to believe in God, that means that I actually think that what he says goes. And what he wants is what I should want. And what he wills is what I should will. And he says, in some ways, I think that the only one who was really fully trusting in God and his word was Jesus. He says, it's a very sobering thing for me to say, yes, I believe in God because the implications of that are that I really have dealt with all of these mixed motivations, all of the malevolence in my own heart, all of the fear-based actions and self-protective moves that I make. I've really dealt with that, and I've really repented of that, and I'm now actually living as if God is God because he is the designer of the city that I want to live in and the only city that is going to last. And I'm a citizen of that city. And he holds sway and his law holds sway in my life. Well, I think that's a really good point because to believe doesn't just mean to say something. That's maybe a very big risk of hypocrisy. It doesn't mean to just say something. It means to actually live out. My professor friend, um, Lyle Dorset would say, believe means to lean your full weight upon the Lord. Like, yours no plan B. He's gonna hold your weight or you're gonna fall. And that's, that's how it is. Not my will, but thine. It's, that, it's, it's at the roots, friends. It's at the roots. Oh Lord, strike at the roots this morning. Let us root ourselves in you. Well, the thing that I want to say about the story about Jordan Peterson, that was very convicting to me. And it makes me repent even this morning. And so this is my own confession. When I'm on my knees, I'm going to be saying, Lord, yeah, I've got a lot of mixed motives. I've wanted approval of men. I have a little bit wanted wealth. <laughs> and I've wanted power. I wanted the things that the world say is a great way to build a city. It has no foundation, I know that. So I'm, I'm in this place, but I think, you know, what, what, what I love about this is that I think the truth is that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is the one speaking to my heart. If you know Jesus, if you've been baptized into him, you have the Holy Spirit. He's the one who's moving in your heart. He's the one who's pricking your conscience right now. And the truth is that you can't believe an entirely, you can't even believe, you can't rest your full weight of your life apart from the Holy Spirit, apart from the one who is alone able to completely yield his will to the Father. Not my will but thine, he prayed in the garden. And then he did it and he completely poured out his blood and the water from his side. He completely gave of love to the end and then he yielded up his spirit, every part of his life, into the Father's hands. He alone truly believed. And we can believe in his belief. We can rest in him. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, more and more pockets of who we are can begin to rely upon him. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. We pray for your Holy Spirit to be the motivation of our souls this morning that we would indeed repent of the ways that we have tried to be our own plan B, 
tried to assert ourselves, tried to build our own fiefdoms. Lord, we repent of the tribalism that our own souls have been tempted to in this cultural war that we see going on. Lord, we want to be people who shine with your light and your love. But we need you to work it into us. We need your faithfulness, Lord, by your spirit to become our faithfulness. We need even, Lord, your humility to be able to say with all of our souls, not my will, but thy will. And Lord, we ask by your grace that you would work through the confession. You would work through the grace of forgiveness, that you would work through our communion time and the ongoing worship of this service, that we would be people of your Holy Spirit and that we would gather up real riches that last forever, that we might be in the Jerusalem that will descend at the end of time and be there forever with all of her citizens. We pray this in your holy name, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.